Welcome to the Everything Least Podcast. I'm Kevin Papetti here with Nick D'Souza, as always. Nick, we have quite a lot to talk about today. We've got some breaking news. Uh, two big stories, actually. One, the Leafs signed Miko Lettinen out of the KHL. Uh, a good depth signing for the back end. And two, and I think this is really what the, the hot topic in Toronto is right now, is you're back to writing articles. It's it's a big it's a big change, Nick. What what do you have to say for yourself? <laughs> All I needed was like a, a worldwide quarantine to to start writing again and to have enough time to to do it and sit down and do it. But uh, it's it's good to be back. I, th- I think <laughs> you're the only person out there who's the number of articles go up during when there's no hockey. Like it, I don't think I've written an article since. I know, honestly. Um, so let's start with I want to get into your article today about. Uh, you, you you wrote an article over at the Leafs Nation uh, for right-shooting defensemen that you, you think would be fits for the Leafs. You also had two honorable mentions. I want to get into that a bit later, but first, let's talk about the other hot-pressing issue in Toronto right now, or hot-pressing topic, rather. Uh, that's the Leafs signing Miko Lettinen. What are your initial thoughts there? And I know you've watched him play a couple games, so I uh, just want to get your overall thoughts on Lettinen. Well, first of all, I'm completely surprised that he's signed with the Leafs in the first place. I know I was talking to one of my friends the other day, and this was about a week ago, and he was telling, he's a Habs fan, so he was telling me about how he's really excited about Lettinen, and he's hoping that the Habs sign him. My response to that was, I, I don't really know much about him. I've, you know, I think I saw him, noticed him when I was watching World Championships before, but... I mean, I never really in-depthly look at, looked into him because, I mean, I never thought the Leafs were going to get him. And then yesterday, uh, when I woke up, I woke up a little late, I slept in, and then I see like a bunch of texts and the Leafs PR of that that he signed with the Leafs. So, I mean, to start, I was extremely surprised that he even signed with the Leafs, but uh, obviously I'm a big fan of it. Yeah, I think I have to agree with you there. Obviously, you look at their left side, Riley... Muzzin, Sandine, those three definitely aren't going anywhere. And then Travis Dermott, I think, is a really good player. Kelly Rosen, Mark Marinson. So it is a bit surprising on that on that regard. Uh, I thought was funny was I mean Justin Fisher on Twitter was retweeting all the all the other teams' accounts that wanted him. So I think the Devils, the Habs, the Rangers, and the Leafs kind of came out of nowhere. There's no real rumors surrounding it. I don't think anyone was really expecting them to sign a left shooting defenseman, but uh, you know, the, the first impression for me is that it's cheap depth. You can't really go wrong. Uh, you know, worst case scenario, he ends up like goes gone off. He comes here, he plays some games, uh, and he's gone after a year. That's really the worst case scenario. It's not like you have to play him in the playoffs uh, if, if it doesn't work out well. And if it does work out well, you got you got a good player for less than a million. So I think that's kind of the first uh, first thing that stands out to me. And the second thing, just watching him, like he's a good skater. Uh, he's playing the right side of that World Championships. Obviously, sixth in the KHL in point production, that kind of jumps out. I don't know if I really see that kind of offensive flash from him. I don't know if the eye test matches up with the stats perfectly for me. But what are your thoughts? I know you went back and watched a few few games of his from the World Championships. What did you think of him? Yeah, right away, I agree with the skating. I mean, that's the big thing that kind of jumps out right away. He's only six foot, but... He looks larger. He really commands the ice, and he plays with a, a certain swagger and confidence when he skates around and moves the puck. Um, in the offensive zone, I do notice I, I like the way that he's kind of like a rover when the forwards have the puck deep in the in the zone. He He's kind of looking to get involved and kind of skating around and, and 
moving around the blue line looking to get involved. Uh, obviously not scared to jump up in the play. Um, when he receives the puck, he wants to move forward. Uh, he's looking to skate and progress the puck forward, something that I think is going to really fit the way the Leafs want to play. Um, really good escapability when um, other teams dump the puck in. I'm still iffy about his transition defense. Um, I know he is a good skater and has pretty good recovery, but I just haven't seen much command on his own blue line just yet. Uh, that could be kind of a sample size. And as you were talking about, when you're only watching a few games, you know, you're only seeing these micro events, you know, a few times uh, if you get lucky. So I'm still kind of waiting to see that transition defense um, that I've read about. Uh, but and I think that's a really important thing, especially if you're expecting him to be in the top four uh, on the right side of Morgan Riley. Is I'm looking at a defender that needs to play there, that needs to be very good in transition defending, because that's something that Morgan Riley kind of lacks. So I'm still waiting to see that from uh, from Lettinen. Yeah, I don't know. And before we like, even before considering his role, I think you kind of start him on the third pair and, and see how that works, and then he can work his way up. Um, that's where I have him too. Right yeah, now. for me, I I wouldn't even be shocked if he was a seventh. I mean, there's really no risk for the Leafs there. But uh, with with Lettinen, what I noticed is, you know, I think when he first signed, everyone looked at the his hockey DB page or his elite prospect page and saw the 49 points in 60 games. But like if you look at the previous seasons, you know, 24 points in, in 52 games in Sweden, and then 29 points in 55 games in Finland, which you know. KHL is supposed to be a better league, so at least slightly better. Uh, the SHL is, is quite good as well, but I think the, the point production last year was you know, a bit of a fluke, especially the 17 goals. He does not have that good of a shot. Uh, I think he's he's a very good skater, even when, like, watching him play at the World Championships, uh, he was out there against Russia, which is basically a, an all-star lineup of forwards almost, uh, and then watching him play against... Sweden, like you can you can keep up with William Nylander. Uh, I even went back and watched uh, from one of the older World Championships. He was up there against Marner, um, so he he's seen he's seen every leaf almost. Uh, I saw him play a game against Martin Marinson <laughs> even. So uh, just kind of funny how small the the hockey world is that way. Uh, I think he's again really good skater. Uh, makes a pretty good first pass. I think I don't really see him as a dominant power play guy, even though the numbers might suggest that. I don't think he's going to play above Sandine on power play two, for example. Uh, I did notice that he took some some bad shots, um, so I'd like to clean that up. Um, and I did notice it like a handful of times, like his weak wrist shots. I guess the the tricky part is is that it's big ice for one, and two, I mean, he's playing on Finland, uh, kind of a remarkable team. I want to I want to talk about Finland here for a sec. So they had zero NHL goals in their lineup at the time, and they won gold. And they're like, Russia had an all-star, all-star team of forwards with a couple good defensemen, Vasilevsky and Net. Canada had a very good team. Uh, Sweden basically went pretty close to their full lineup. Um, so just kind of remarkable. You watch Finland play at all these events, and they never seem to be overmatched, even though they had zero NHL goals in their lineup at the time. Yeah, they. I think when I was watching the final, they mentioned that I think it was only Yoki Haru who was the only current NHLer at the time. I think I um, think they had one other, but I couldn't figure out who it was because he had no NHL goals. I believe he was a forward. Um, I I don't even heard of him, 
But anyone who's listening, if you are kind of missing hockey and you want to see a good hockey game, that final between Canada and Finland is electric. And it's fast. It's, it's got a lot of feistiness. Uh, the crowd was amazing. I was watching the game yesterday or two. Yeah, yesterday for, uh, I mean, pretty much to watch Lettinen. And I I've, usually I skip around whenever he's not on the ice or whoever I'm watching. I, I skip the shifts that they're not on. Uh, but I felt myself found myself kind of sticking around and watching the whole game because it was that good. Yeah, I think with... So they had Kako, who, I mean, hadn't played his rookie year yet. He was probably the best scorer. Um, but I think, like, it's just kind of remarkable how they're so committed to their system. They don't take any chances. Uh, it was kind of tricky to evaluate him in that regard. Like, when he's taking a, a point shot or he's playing it safe or he's backing up at the blue line, it's tough to tell if that's him or if that's his team. Uh, I think the other thing that was a little bit of a caveat is I thought Nikita Zaitsev looked really good for Russia, which, you know, Zaitsev's a player who's way better on big ice. He can pass if he has that much space. Um, then he comes to North America on the smaller ice surface and, you know, has a real tough time advancing the puck up the ice. So it is kind of tough to, to know for sure how that's going to translate. But, you know, Lenton is going to make less than a million. Uh, he, he clearly can skate at an NHL level. I think his transition was a bit of a mixed bag. I think the skating's there. I think he kind of gave up the zone a little bit too easily sometimes. Something we kind of saw with Zaitsev too, where the skating's there. Why isn't he a little bit better at transition defense? Uh, but I did see some encouraging signs in transition. I did think he looked comfortable on the right side. I had no issues with it. Um, really, that's not a big concern to me. I think Dermott can play the right side quite well. I really liked Riley on the right side when he played with Muzzin a couple years back. Uh, they haven't really gone back to it, but I liked it. I think I say that every episode. So wh- who plays the right side isn't really a concern for me. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on Dermot, though, uh, because I think when this signing was announced, Dermot became a pretty popular topic where it's, you know, is, is this a guy who's going to push Dermot out the door? Um, or is, is this just, can they coexist in the same Leafs roster? What do you think about that? I think they could definitely coexist, and I, and. I mean, we probably both saw in our timeline that people were saying that Dermot, like you said, could be out the door. Um, But I don't really see it that way. I think that when I look at Dermot's history, I look at a guy that, you know, plays under 17 minutes or around there. Uh, So not big minutes, not a big point producing guy. I don't really think he's going to be pushing for that much money. And with the signing of Lettin and the amount of left shot D on the team, I I just can't see Dermot asking for that much money, knowing that if he asks for something around two mil, let's say, that could be him asking to be traded. Um, I mean, a guy that's a, from the, the area looks like he is very committed to the Leafs. Um, and I know Dubis is a big fan of him. So, I mean, I think that I'm expecting something around 1.5 and at 1.5 and maybe even less if possible. I think they can definitely coexist. Um, I was watching actually Steve Dangle's video about Lettinen, and he was talking about how the the chances of 7D um, could open up again, and how uh, this is obvious. He was just speculating about this and about the schedule uh, for the 2020-2021 season, and how they could be having kind of a similar schedule to the AHL if they're trying to fit all 82 games. So having 7D would be extremely uh, valuable if they have those back-to-back games like they do in the AHL. 
Yeah, I think yeah with with the three and three in, in the NHL, you do see a lot of rotation. I think you would too if if it came down to it at the NHL level. Um, one thing I'll say about Dermot, I think he's a good player and. Uh, he really stands out every time I go back and watch a game. Uh, I also think that he's a player who's. It's gonna be you're gonna have a really tough time trading him for fair value. He's a young defenseman. Um, like I, I don't see them trading him for a forward. I'd be surprised. Um, and then if you trade him for a right shooting defenseman, it's like, well, are you gonna get someone as good as Dermot in that deal? I don't know. I think Dermot is their best transition defender. He's really good at, at his own blue line. Uh, I think he can play either side. I think he can make a, a pretty decent first pass. Uh, it's a player I'm, I'm I'm pretty high on. I think he can exist in the top four. I would start him on the second pairing with Riley. Um, I know he doesn't have great point numbers, but that's just going to keep his value down. So I think he's just the type of person you need on this team, a kind of an undervalued player who's going to be better than the contract he gets. Um, I, I think that's the type of player you need on this team, and I'm not too concerned about the left-right thing. I think Dermot can do it. I think watching the World Championships, even though it's a bigger ice surface, it's not a perfect tell, but uh, Lettinen seems to have, to have the mobility to play on that side quite effectively. Now, when that gets when the ice gets smaller, when you kind of have to move the puck a little bit quicker, maybe that changes. But at, at this point, I'm not too concerned. You know, worst case scenario, if Lettinen doesn't look good in, in his you know first taste of NHL action. You don't have to play him. You can you can use him on the seventh as a seventh D. We saw this year with with Riley getting hurt and Muzzin getting hurt. Is you almost need too many good defensemen. You need to be at least eight deep, and uh, that might be a good segue here because I think we want to get into your article here. So you had uh, four right chain defensemen that you think could be undervalued that you want the Leafs to maybe look into acquiring. Um, even after the Lettinen addition, do you still think? that they could be in the market for a right-shooting defenseman? Yeah, definitely. I thought it changed a little bit um, with the Lettinen signing. I mean, obviously, the majority of this article was written before that happened. Um, and then I released it yesterday, a few hours after the Lettinen signing. But even with so, I I don't know how I feel about the Leafs having two, right defense, two left-shooting defensemen on the right side. Um, I know that in the Boston series, uh, I know that Dermot was battling an injury but I felt like he didn't seem as comfortable as he does on the left side which is understandable um also I thought that Lettinen was good uh, on the right side in the world championships but again translating that to the NHL um and then not only that but if you want him in the top four then is he able to do that on the right side so I just don't know if I, I would want those question marks going to the season and without having a backup so I still think this article is very relevant just because even if I, I think they can get a guy, one of these guys, and they all should be relatively cheap um, and they can have them kind of all rotating in and, and at least you have a, a real right shot defenseman uh, to go next to Riley and then you can kind of rotate the other three into the third pair. Yeah, I think I do expect them to acquire a right shooting defenseman um, for a few reasons. One is... Lilligren didn't look amazing on the, during his NHL stint. Uh, I think he likely goes back down to the AHL. You almost overripen him, uh, let him play big minutes, and then you know if he's playing really well, maybe call him up for the second half, maybe put him in your playoff lineup. But uh, I think he's going to get some AHL time next year. That's at least what I expect. 
And, you know, not a knock on Lilligren. I think just defensemen take longer. He's still got a really good tool set, but, you know, you might as well be play it safe and have an extra option back there. Uh, the other thing is Justin Hall. Hall only played, you know, this is was almost his rookie season. He barely played in, in 2018-2019, uh, just 11 games the previous year. So uh, we haven't seen a huge sample of him. I thought he was really good early on. I think kind of later on in the season he kind of tailed off a bit. Um, you, you know, if think about it. If they go into the season and Justin Hall gets hurt the first game, you know, are you going to play six left-shooting defensemen? I, I don't know if I see that happening. Um, you know, maybe you put up Lilligren for your third pair, but I, I still don't think, you know, they want to have be that left dominant. So I do expect someone on the right side. Um, who it is, is is a bit of a question. I think there's there's lots of options there, but we'll get into your four here. So I'm going to start with the one who I think is the least likely, and we'll work our way towards the ones that I think are... are at least better fits, or at least my favorites. Uh, the one I think is least likely was Matt Roy, the LA Kings. Um, I can see why you would like him. He has he's only makes seven hundred thousand next year before becoming an RFA. Um, he's just turned twenty five. He's a right wing defenseman with really good underlying numbers like RAPM. Um, I think there's a zero percent chance Johnson gets it done. I think there's a zero percent chance Engball gets it done. I think you need Kapanen in there. Maybe Kapanen plus. Um, I just think the Kings like him and they kind of need him. But I do, if he's available, then I'm in. Uh, I've seen him play. You know, you can't be too... Uh, you can't have too much faith in defensive defensemen. I find them, like, the toughest to evaluate. But uh, good player and, and a guy I like. Why did you like Matt Roy? Yeah, for similar reasons to what you just said, I think he kind of is the perfect player that the Leafs need in that spot. Uh, good puck mover, kind of a guy, he even said it himself he's, when he had an interview with NHL.com, he says that he's a defensive-minded player who looks to make a good pass and uh, he tries to be physical when he can. Now, I do agree that it would, and I actually mentioned it here in the article saying that uh, just due to the level of competition that he has for that spot, they really don't have, they have Drew Doughty on the team, uh, they have Sean Walker, but Matt Roy's already kind of leapfrogged him in terms of ice time and deployment. And then the other right-shooting defenseman was Curtis McDermott, who doesn't really have very good results and was played on the left side for the majority of last season. So he, I do agree, he's probably the least likely uh, to get moved uh, just because of um, that level of competition for his spot. Um, I did keep him in the article just because how good of a fit he is for the team and also the Kings and the Leafs are just in different spots in terms of their um, their window of competition. Um, and I do think that, yeah, it would probably take, and I mentioned that here, it's, it probably would take a really good player in Kapanen or Janssen to get the deal done. Um, but I think it's something that, you know, it, it could be worth exploring just because of how much surplus value they would get from getting a right defenseman that has played second minutes before, has done well in those second paired minutes, uh, to go next to Riley. Yeah, I think, like, again, I do think he's a good player, so I like the target from that perspective. Um, he's only 25, and I think I'm, if I'm the Kings, I'm looking at that roster, guys like Alex Turcotte coming, you hope Velarde can stay healthy. I really like Alex Alifalo. Um, You know, Kopitar's still got some good years left. They got a good 
I think they drafted, uh, so they got Kupari, Akil Thomas, Samuel Fregamo. Uh, they have Jared Anderson Dolan. So they have a lot of young, Tyler Madden. They have a lot of good young forwards coming. For me, I'm looking at defenseman kind of peak later. I'd be keeping Matt Rory. Now, if you if you gave him a great offer, maybe you give him Kapanen and Dermott. Like, I don't know if Kapanen alone would even get it done. Um, I think they really like him, but... Um, I think if like if if the price is cap and I do think you'd have to strongly consider that. Uh, I haven't watched him enough to, to say with too much confidence that I give up Kapanen for him, but uh, I'd at least be willing to consider that. Yeah, um, and I think any time you're giving up a young forward, even if you do have two other good right wingers, uh, and you're the Leafs, I mean it's a tough loss. Uh, so I definitely understand you kind of feeling, and I, I feel the same way. So, if it was Kapanen for Roy straight up, I would have to kind of think about it. But I think it's something that I would consider for sure. Okay, let's get to the the, the guy I think is the second most, the second least likely. So I'm working backwards here. Um, and that is a guy I like, Henry Yokoharu, a guy that played with Lettinen for Finland at that World, at that world Championship. Uh, he's young. I think he's the same age as Lilligren, former first-round pick, was traded for Alex Nylander. Um, and I can see your logic here in, in terms of why he might be available, where you have, like, the Sabres have Ristolainen, Colin Miller, Brandon Montour on the right side. Uh, he's, again, he's only 20, uh, and then the Sabres could, could use forward help uh, badly behind Jack Eichel, so you could definitely see your logic there. Maybe, you know, Yoko Haru gets traded for a good young forward, both teams benefit. Um, I think the question is, for me, is I don't think Kerfoot gets it done. I definitely don't think Janssen gets it done. Again, I think this is a guy that, you know, costs Kasperi Kapanen. And then, and like, in terms of the numbers like RAPM, he's not exactly special yet, but he's still quite young. Penalty kills a bit. Uh, I guess my question with him is very similar to, to Matt Roy. What's the cost? Is it more than Kapanen? Um I'd have to watch him a little bit more before I'm comfortable giving up Kapanen for him. And then I guess the other thing is with Yokoharu and and uh, Matt Roy is is the expansion draft. Like, are you going to be prepared to give up Dermot? Are you prepared to give up Dermot in one of these trades? Uh, some questions there, but I do think Henry, uh, Yokoharu is a good puck mover, a guy that can penalty kill. Uh, almost reminds me of Sandine in the fact that he's not that fast, but... Um, he does seem to to make it work and really move the puck and play physically at his, his size. Fun player. I like the player. I don't know if, if Buffalo is going to give him up, but if they are, I'm, I'm definitely willing to kind of take advantage there. Yeah, it's kind of a weird situation that the Sabres were in because they traded for so many right defenders like within a span of six months. Um, another thing is that I actually didn't include in the article that I should have was the division whether that matters that they're kind of rivals in the division, uh, will the Leafs have a larger um, kind of price to pay for Yokoharu? And would the Sabres be willing to give up one of their young cost control defensemen to the Leafs, uh, knowing that they're, they're going to have to see them six times a year? So um, just the fact that they only traded Alex Nylander for him, I think that, I think Janssen, I think they would probably consider Janssen. Uh, Captain, I think for sure that the Sabres, knowing that, you know, kind of what their roster, their lineup looks like, I think they really look at Kapanen uh, for Yoki Haru. Um, but I'm a big fan of his game. Uh, 
I do see a little bit of a um, kind of a similarity between him and Sandine. Both very cerebral players. Uh, both very good at transit at defending and transition. Uh, Yokoharu, I think, is a little bit of a better skater. I do like his offensive kind of package in terms of his shot and his passing ability. Um, but if he's available, I would be very, very interested uh, for the Leafs to get him. Like you said, um, not the best results over the last two years, and he's seen second pairing minutes uh, despite being so young, but the potential is is pretty big with Yokoharu given his skill set. Yeah, I mean, given how difficult it is to get good right shooting defensemen, to get one that's 20, it's pretty good. I think I'd, I'd have to have some interest. Um, again, my, one of my concerns is that expansion draft. And, I mean, you look at their lineup, Riley, Muzzin, Dermott, Sandine, Hall, Lilligren, kind of long-term. Letting in the seventh, it's like, you know, who's out? And if you do have to trade someone there, are you getting fair value? Uh, I think for, for a player of Yokohara, Henry Yokoharu's caliber, you'd have to consider it. He's probably good enough to, you know, even consider, you know, something like that. Even if it does hurt you a little bit in the expansion draft, I think you still have to consider it. But um, I, I did put him, out of your four targets, I did put him as uh, the second least likely. Now, moving on to a guy who I think is the second most likely, or my second favorite target here, uh, not necessarily the second best player. I'm, I'm almost working in opposite direction um, in that regard. But Matt Benning was the guy who I think is this... You know the second most likely on this list. Uh, he's he's pretty average in terms of RPM, which is you know I think an upgrade compared to someone like CC. Um, he pe- he penalty kills a little bit. Yeah, he's not really the top pairing guy there. You know they have Adam Larson on the right side to kill penalties. Brings a physical element. Uh, they also have quite a few guys on the right side. I think you mentioned that in your article where you know, Larson's got one more year. Ethan Bear had a had a pretty good breakout year. Uh, Evan Bouchard's a really good young prospect who could make it next year. Uh, maybe they re-sign Mike Green. Chris Russell can play the right side if needed. So I, I can see why he's available. Um, but I guess the question for me is going to be cost um, because the Leafs are going to have you know so little cap space. Uh, I think in terms of a trade, I don't I don't think the cost would be prohibited. I pr- can't say that word. But uh, I, I just don't know in terms of what he's going to command salary-wise and if they can get it to fit. So that's kind of my main question with him. But we don't really know where the cap's going to be at this point. If they do have rollbacks, maybe they have a little bit more cap space. Uh, that's that's really my main question there. He did make $1.9 million, which isn't crazy. But you know, with the Leafs, they might have to, to pinch pennies. So uh, we'll see where the cap comes. And I think that's going to be you know the, the main question. I wouldn't mind him, though, as a guy that could... You know, maybe start on the third pair, and if he plays well, maybe he works his way up. Yeah, if I had to rank kind of the, in a similar fashion to what you're doing right now, I would probably have Benning the most likely to be traded, uh, just because of kind of the direction that Edmonton's going. I thought Ethan Bear, even when I was watching the the Edmonton for Matthew Benning, I mean, Ethan Bear is awesome. One of my favorite players outside the Leafs. Uh, Evan Bouchard coming up. That's kind of the future of the Edmonton Oilers um Right defense side. there especially of the yeah sorry the right side um they do have adam larson who they could move uh again that would be a pretty big deal something that has kind of been they've been talking about we've been seeing it in the rumors for a few years um then they have mike green they just they just traded for him at the deadline 
Uh, we've seen a history of Ken Holland kind of trusting veteran defensemen. So I wouldn't even think that's out of the window in terms of them extending Mike Green at this point. And if they do, I think Matt Benning's as good as gone. Um, and even if they don't, I think there's a pretty good chance that Benning uh, will get moved. Now, my big question with, with Benning would be, he's probably one of the kind of on the bottom end of this list in terms of um, value and how good he is. I think that he's, he's almost like the a better version of Berenson in terms of the way Edmonton fancy him. I know in the 2018-2019 season, he got a lot of flack for some pretty noticeable turnovers, but the analytics community likes him because he does a lot of little things right. He is very good at denying um, zone entries. He can break up the cycle quite well despite his size. So, and I mean, Edmonton has some really positive results whenever he's on the ice and whenever he's playing. So, He's kind of like that polarizing Marinson for them, but um, maybe even the, the analytics community has turned on Marinson this year. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you sold many people by comparing him to Marinson, but... Uh, I, I know, I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have mentioned it, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm here for the Leafs fans, so I'm, I'm, I'm telling them I can't, I can't be biased towards him just because I wrote him. I think the him. hope is that he's kind of similar to the next Justin Hall, where you know he gets more of an opportunity right. somewhere, and, and all of a sudden he's... He's looking pretty good. Um, if he's a league average player, which is what you know, things like RPM, um, things like isolated threat seem to paint him as, then you know it's a pretty good, pretty good add. Uh, I think the question is, you know, you're gonna have to pay him two million, and if you can pay him two million, are you gonna be able to fit him? That's that's kind of my main question. Um, right. I, I'd be fine with. I also have. Sorry. Yeah. I also, when it comes to their. If, if him and Riley are pairing pretty much, Riley's going to have to kind of take over the transportation load. I think Benning can move the puck, uh, but under pressure, he can panic a little bit and cause turnovers, or he makes a simple play off the glass, which, you know, history shows doesn't really um, kind of result in good shot, um, good shot metrics. So when it comes to transportation, when it comes to the offensive side of the puck, Riley's really going to have to carry Benning there, but I think Benning's defensive side can kind of balance that out. Um, and also kind of to to kind of defend Benning in a way uh, when it comes to the turnovers. This past season, he really cut down on his turnovers. I think it was almost by over, over half. So uh, hopefully you get that side of it. Um, and there's not that many noticeable ones, so Leafs fans like him if, if the Leafs ever do trade for him. Yeah, I... I don't care about the turnover numbers. What I do care about is just, like, for me, he's starting on the third pairing, and he'd have to work his way up. But I'd have Dermot ahead of him on day one. Um, so if uh, the, the question is just money, and it's really unpredictable for me where how much cap space there's going to be. Like, where's the cap? Is it going to be 81.5? Is it going to be 82.5? And then is there any sort of rollback? Because that would kind of... Sp- that would kind of free up some money to make you know a small move like this. Uh, I don't think the trade cost would be prohibitive. Still can't say that word, but uh, he's a good player. Like he, he seems like a a fine third pairing guy that maybe can can cut it as a fourth. We'll see. I haven't seen enough of him to kind of say either way. But uh, based on the numbers, based on the brief glimpses I've seen of him, he, he seems like a fine player. Uh, but he's not my favorite on the list, this list. Well, this is my favorite too, so I'll let you take the floor here to introduce. Okay, I don't him. know. How to, uh, I can never say his last name. I've heard it about 
50 times now, and I still can't say it. So, Ilya Lovbishkin? I oh, know I'm saying Ilya Bushkin. I, I saw a, uh, where they kind of show the phonetics of it. Oh, you did? Okay. Like, even when I hear it, I can't, I can't, uh, like, re-repeat it. I can't. I don't know why. Uh, every time I see it, I just get scared. Yeah, the, even the Coyotes commentators, like, I felt like they were saying it, like, five different ways during the game, so... I'm just sticking to Labushkin. So I'm going to... I'll tee him up for you here. So I think you look at the box score, you might not know why he's a target, where you see eight points and 92 NHL career games. Uh, he has been sheltered in a third-pairing role behind Halmerson and Demers. Uh, he doesn't really penalty kill a lot. Uh, maybe just a lack of opportunity. What he does bring is he's really quite impressive in terms of things like isolated threat, RAPM this year. Um, I don't know if he made a huge improvement or if that's a little bit of noise, but you know it, it's it's a point in his favor. And then I do think that he brings a, a skill set that would fit well on the Leafs. He's very very physical. Uh, I think you know fans would like someone like that on the right side. I also just think he's going to be very cheap because he doesn't put up points. He's an RFA. He's a healthy scratch at times in Arizona. So I think he's he's kind of the perfect player to. Or a certain type of player, at least, to to bring in, put him in a competition with with something someone like Lettinen, uh, maybe someone like Lilligren. If if he gets outplayed, he's a cheap seventh defenseman or a cheap eighth defenseman. And if he thrives, great. You have a cheap player playing well, uh, probably on the third pair, but someone that can kind of bring a different element to the Leafs defense. That's what I like about him. What did you like about him? Yeah, no, I thought you did a really good job there, uh, kind of um, showcasing what he's all about. He's very physical. One thing that I do want to kind of bring out is how good he is at breaking up the cycle. Um, he's kind of got a lot of hustle, and when he sees an opportunity to break it up and get it into the play and use his body to separate the the forward from the puck, he, he does that at a very high level. And as we know, the Leafs are quite bad at allowing... They're actually a bottom five team in allowing goals off the cycle uh, at five on five. So bringing in a player like this is going to be huge. Now, Riley's had play partners in the past um, that were very good at this. Nikita Zaitsev comes to mind. Roman Polak comes to mind. But what those players kind of lacked was that first pass out of the zone. And Labushkin does extremely well um, in this regard too. Not really going to be... He's not really the type to you know, kind of carry the puck himself and navigate through the neutral zone. But he is a capable passer, and the Leafs have a bunch of really good players in transition who can transport the puck up the ice. So as long as he can find that player on the half wall, guys like Nylander, guys like Marner, guys like Kapanen, they can bring the puck up the ice. So I think this is also my favorite player on the list um, for the same reason that you said. He's cheap, uh, perfect skill set for a guy that, to play next to Riley. Um but the big limitations are his deployment. Didn't play a very high level of competition uh, this past season, but due to the signing of Lettinen and having Dermot and Sandine also on that decor, I think you can start him on the third pairing and slowly bring him up um, and ideally have him next to Riley by hopefully midseason. So he's also my favorite uh, player on the list. I think he's the second most likely to move behind Matt Benning, but... Um, definitely a player that I would be very interested in. Yeah, I just think you look at his his ice time and the fact that he's held healthy scratch at times. I think Arizona would move him. Um, 
And it fits what the Leafs need. Like, they need players who make less than a million who can play some minutes for them. And, and, you know, hopefully he just thrives in Toronto, brings exactly what they need. Uh, I'm not, I haven't seen enough of him to, to be, like, overly confident that he can take, maybe take a bigger role. Um, I I don't think he can do anything in the offensive zone. Like, he's kind of a rinse in that end. But, you know, in the, in the couple games I watched, he, he seemed to make a fine first pass. Uh, I think that's just all you're looking for from a guy with that skill set. Uh, I, I'm not confident enough to kind of guarantee that or, or to kind of go on the record with that. But um, just a player, and it's funny, like I remember I went to an Arizona game either this year or the previous year, and it's just a guy that I thought, I was like, who is this guy? So I just always kind of liked him. Uh, I'm, I wouldn't, you know, if if the trade cost was anything significant or if you had to pay him even $1.5 I'm probably out, but... I think the cost will be low, both in terms of trade and contract. And you know, I, I'm I would like to add someone on the right side, whether it's a case of injuries, whether it's you know maybe Lettinen doesn't look as good as we expected. You know, maybe this is another guy you can kind of throw in there and and kind of hope for the best and hope he kind of takes a role and it really takes off. And the thing that I've kind of fallen in love with when it comes to Labushkin is. If he did came to the, come to the Leafs, Sheldon Keefe can kind of get a little bit uh, creative in terms of his deployment with Riley. So for defensive zone faceoffs, he could put Riley and Labushkin out. And for offensive zone faceoffs, I mean, he can pick his poison. He can give, he can put Riley next to Dermott. He could put Riley next to Lettinen now. So in terms of that, I think that Keefe, I'm pretty confident in the way that Keefe deploys his players. And I think he would find, he would do things based on the specific person's uh, skill set. So, but it just gives them that right-handed defenseman who's good defensively that gives them that option in the defensive zone. So, um, and when when it comes to his chances of moving, I mean Arizona is in such a weird spot because they're at risk from losing Taylor Hall. They're up against the cap. Um, I think Jarmusen's probably going to be back next year. They could move Goligoski or Demers, um, but. I mean, that's kind of a bigger deal uh, because they're kind of locked up till 2021, 2022. So it's going to come down, I think, between Jordan Gross and Labushkin. I think Jordan Gross will probably get a little bit less um, when all is said and done. But I don't think Labushkin's going to get that high in terms of um, an AAV. So um, definitely my favorite on the list here. Yeah, I don't know about Gross. I think he's only played like a couple of NHL games, but like Soderstrom's there. I could see them going out and getting a free agent uh, defenseman to add. Uh, I think any time that a guy's playing 10 minutes and has been a healthy scratch, I think they're probably available in the right deal. Um, so, like, I'm open to that. I think for, like, the most likely scenario to me is a guy like Labushkin who just can be in the lineup or you could also healthy scratch. I think that's kind of the direction I'm expecting him to go rather than a big move. Uh, one of the one of those reasons is just cap space. It, like it's going to be very tough to go out and get a top four caliber defenseman, and, and B like I look at this lineup, you know Riley's. I think Riley's here for the long term. Muzzin just got re-signed. I don't think you can win a Dermot trade. I'd like to keep Dermot, um, and you also have Sandine who you know he's on the third pair next year, but. Is he going to be on the third pair forever? Probably not. So I think at some point you're going to have to 
kind of face reality and move someone to the right side. I'm not too concerned about it. Um, but I do expect, you know, some sort of Riley Dermott second pair uh, and then Sandy and kind of anchoring a third pair. That's what I would expect where you have Dermott on the right side. Um, but I, I do think someone has to do that eventually. It's not a problem that's going away, the handedness thing. It's not like Riley's going to come back next year shooting right-handed or anything. So I, th- I think the other thing, too, is you do have to consider the expansion draft where, you know, if you go out and get someone a little bit better, then you might be exposing a pretty damn good player in the expansion draft. Uh, whereas, you know, you go out and you get a guy like the Bushkin, you don't have to protect him, most likely. Uh, I, I think it just makes a little bit more sense that way. And then the other thing, I guess, is, is Lilligren's probably ready at some point next year. Like, he might be ready at the All-Star break to be kind of a, a guy that can be in your playoff lineup. So, you know, I don't think a guy like Labushkin really blocks Lilligren. If, if Lilligren's looking amazing in the AHL, he can come up and, and play NHL minutes. But uh, he at least has a chance to have NHL success. So that was my favorite target. Uh, I don't want to trade Dermott. And I almost get the feeling that, and I want to get your thoughts on this, like I don't know if I see them making a huge move for a defenseman at this point. Uh, I do think the smaller guys are a bit more likely. I think you're in agreement there as well. But if they do move someone like Janssen, if they do move someone like Kapanen, what do you think the chances are that maybe they move move them for a forward rather than a defenseman like most people expect? I do think that if they do move a guy like Janssen, to me, I, I, you need to get a guy back. As much as I like Janssen, I think I'm starting to to think about the fact that he might be going this summer and sorry, not this summer, I guess this off season. And I think if you if he leaves, you have a huge hole on that left wing second uh, second line. I think Ilya Mikheyev could move up to the second line, but then you leave a pretty big hole in the left um, on the third line. We saw this year when Kerfoot moved up to the second line, they really didn't get much scoring from the third or fourth line. Um, when they had all those injuries. So I think ideally you want to get a forward back so that you still have a strong third and fourth line. Yeah. I like One thing I noticed this year is with Mikhaev out and with Janssen out, they did seem pretty weak there on, on some nights in terms of scoring depth. Uh, I think you look at the Leafs, they got Matthews, they got Tavares, and they got two really good wingers in Marner and, and Nylander. They have... The kind of their core four, and I think the question in terms of how successful they can be is, is I mean, everyone talks about goaltending and defense, but forward depth is also important, and I think at times last year, you look at the bottom six, and it was very weak, uh, especially when they had Kerfoot playing in the in the top six. I really didn't like their third line on some on a lot of nights. I really didn't like their, their fourth line on some nights. I mean, they had Timashov, Goche, Nick Shore, kind of a revolving door uh, at times, I, I really like Spezza, but uh, I think there were there were some holes in the lineup at times. And I do think that if you move a guy like Janssen, I wouldn't mind getting someone. Uh, and I have a couple names. Like uh, I really like Vinny Henestrosa. If he ever becomes available, maybe get him in your uh, Labushkin deal. You can throw him in for me. That'd be great. Uh, but I wouldn't mind some sort of some forward back just to add a little bit more depth there. Well, you're going to need a, someone that is in a little bit of a different age group here. I think you're looking at a guy who's in his low 20s, um, kind of still cost controlled. And I think that's where the Leafs need to look. A guy that's a little bit cheaper than Janssen, but can potentially step up into that spot and, and give similar production if given the chance. Um, I like I like Henestrosa, a uh, little bit older than what I thought, but I don't think that, you know, maybe he gets around $2 million. 
um, for a little bit of an increase from at the 1.5 he's at right now. I made a little bit of a list. I think that my list is a little bit too, almost a little bit too optimistic. Um, I have a, I have Andrew, Andrew Mangiapani from Calgary. I mean, he he was on a list I had earlier this year. He had a bit of better production than I expected, and I think he might get a little bit of an increase. Uh, Mangiapani is one of my favorite players in the league. Uh, I love him. I think you would probably have to give up Kapanen for him because he did have a pretty good year. Um, but I, I really like him. Again, I think the cost might be too high in terms of what the trade, but I definitely, if he's available, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely uh, in for that. Okay, next, you had Kevin LeBlanc. Yeah, I had Kevin LeBlanc. I'm not really, again, he's another player that I don't really know what the price would be. Um, obviously, last year he took a huge, he only took $1 million, a one-year contract, kind of like a prove-yourself contract. Everyone was expecting him to kind of get a big one after he had a huge season but um so i'm not really sure what what that would be but if he's available i'd be extremely um i'd be extremely interested another player i have i know that there was some some rumors about him and dylan strome uh, i think if you got dylan strome you could potentially have him in the the third line center spot doesn't really give a lot of defensive value but i think that offensively he's very good has a lot of potential still very young um you could even have him in the third line center spot and you know i wasn't a big fan of kerfoot playing with Tavares and nylander but i mean i don't think it was that bad um i more didn't like it because of the effect it had on the third line but if you have a guy like dylan strome on that third line well all of a sudden i kind of like the idea a lot more so if he's available and kind of seems like he might be, I'd be very interested in him. Yeah, I, I have, I guess, passive interest in Strom. I think the, the, I don't know how, how much their RFA deals are going to be. Uh, I think Strom's probably going to get up in the... Wouldn't be wouldn't surprise me if he got $3 million, so I don't know if you'd be saving enough money. Um, but again, we have to see what the cap is uh, in terms of, you know, hopefully there's a rollback, at least have some space, they can at least consider these types of deals. Um, Mangiapane, I, I love. Um, two guys that I like. I really like Anastroza. I just think um, this year, I think his shooting percentage just like completely tanked, which is always a good sign when you're trying to trade for someone. Um, Arizona's pretty good on the right side. They have Connor Garland, Phil Kessel, so he's kind of he's kind of taking a back seat there. Uh, you can play a bit of center, but they have Stepan, and, and they have uh, Christian Dvorak in their top six. They have Nick Schmaltz, who can play center. Um, so I don't, I don't know if he's, he's really getting the ice time he deserves. He's not really getting power play time. I think he's a good transition player. Um, he's, he's kind of like Melgan in terms of size and, and speed, but he, I think he brings more to the table offensively. Uh, he's a little bit stronger than Melgan. So, uh, I think he's, I think he's a good replacement if you need to get, if you have to trade Kapanen or, or end up getting a really good deal for Kapanen for a defenseman. Um, and then the other guy I really liked was Adrian Kempe on the Kings. He's a bit younger. Uh, I think he's a 96. So, you know, maybe that's a one-for-one for, one for Kapanen. Uh, I just think he's a guy that's going to break out next year. Has a pretty good defensive impacts. Plays center. I don't know if the Kings are going to be, you know, lining up to trade him. But he only makes $2 million. I think he's a good third-line center. You can play on the wing if you need. He's also former roommates with William Nylander, I believe. So, would be a good, uh, good little... I heard that guy's pretty... Uh... Yeah, I heard he's pretty popular in the locker room. Yeah, so that would be... So that uh, might gain him some brownie points. I think Willie's got the best dance moves on the team, so 
Um, you know, I don't know. I uh, and <laughs> I think it's uh, a lot of birthdays. It was Neilander's birthday. It was Marner's birthday. I think it's Marner's birthday today, actually. So we got a good day to record here. So anyways, I know. Hopefully, he's listening. I maybe maybe that's how instead he, of the uh, happy birthday song, he's playing this. You can't have any birthday parties, Willie. So you're you're stuck with us. Um, for, I just want a couple, I'm going to run through some defensemen here, uh, that you didn't mention, or I think a couple of these were honorable mentions in your article. Um, let me know who your favorites are out of these, out of this list. So I think the first guy that came to mind was Trevor Van Riemsdyk, right. uh, unrestricted free agent, uh, made 2.3 last year. Going to be a tough market though, it seems for the free agents. Doesn't really have a spot in Carolina. They, they're loaded on the back end. Pretty average player by the metrics. I think he's kind of similar to Matt Benning. Just you know, you're, you're, he's a free agent rather than a uh, rather than being on a team. Obviously, it'd be nice to have a, a Van Riemsdyk back on the team. He plays the right side, a guy that you could probably scratch if, if Lilligren really steps up and, and plays really well. Uh, he's interesting to me. You know, Bufflin I think would be cool. But he's 35. I think he's probably done. Um, the other guys in the free agent market. Uh, Racco Gudis, TJ Brody, Dylan DeMello. I think for those three, it's, it's largely about cap space. Where's the cap end up? I would love TJ Brody. I would like Dylan DeMello. You know, Gudis would be bring something to the table they don't really have. Um, one guy that I really like is David Savard on on, on Columbus. Uh, he's in his he's going to be in his UFA year next year with a four point two five million dollar cap hit. Um, so I mean they have. Jones, Wierenski, Gavrikov, who had a really good year, uh, Ryan Murray, Nudavara, they have Gabriel Carlson, Harrington plays games. So they have a lot of options back there. I think they could use a forward. Um, and, and maybe they retain. I think they would have to retain for that to make sense for the Leafs. But uh, they also have Dubinsky contract. He didn't play a game this year. He makes $5.85 million. I wonder if, if they could kind of figure something out there where maybe they take him on for LTIR. I don't know. Uh, but... You know, Savard just seems like a really good stay-at-home defenseman to, to pair with Riley. Um, and then other guys, uh, I won't mention them all here, so you can get, I want to get your uh, opinion on these guys first, but uh, one other guy is Neil Lundqvist, who's uh, one of the better prospects in the game. The Rangers have Truba, D'Angelo Fox on the right side already. You know, I think teams will be lining up for him if, if he's available, but uh, those are some of the ones that I think could be uh, other options for the league. Yeah, when it comes to the UFA targets, again, the big thing is money. Um, there are a lot more, it almost feels like there's a lot more right-handed options this year on the UFA, um, potentially. So hopefully kind of the guys that don't get signed right away will go for a little bit less, and, and those guys can kind of rise to the top in terms of options for the Leafs. Uh, but, I mean... Because they already have six defensemen that, you know, should be playing in the NHL this upcoming year, uh, the Leafs do. You can kind of take a chance on guys if they become if they come cheap. Like I look at a guy like Dustin Bufflin, who I think two weeks ago I probably would have said no to, uh, but now I mean, if it doesn't work out and you're not you're not really trading any pieces for him, um, and if his cap hit is quite low, then I don't mind taking a chance on him considering you already have Dermot. Uh, you already have like the six guys that are there, so I think the the Lettinen signing kind of has opened my eyes up to a lot more options just because of the low risk involved. 
I guess. I mean, I don't know if Lightning moved the dial much for me, but I think Bufflin's done. Uh, probably, that's my guess. Other guys that I kind of liked, I think we both really like Mackenzie Weger, but we think Florida likes him too. Yeah. Uh, I think he's be a heck of an addition. Uh, Colin Miller I've always liked, but he makes close to $4 million for another two years. You know, Buffalo doesn't really have a ton of cap space to be retaining, so I don't know if that works. Um, Connor Murphy on the Blackhawks, pretty good by RAPM. I think the problem is is that I don't know if they want to trade him because Chicago has absolutely no defense. Uh, who was the – oh, Stetcher you mentioned. I think he'd be a, a good cheap addition if, if – it seems like he might end up being a UFA. Uh, and then I don't know what he's going to command. Like, just based on this market, it's very unpredictable right now. So I think that's that was a good target. I think you mentioned right. him as an honorable mention. Uh, and then, you know, the other guys were that I have down here, Tanev had a really rough year by the metrics, but, you know, maybe if he's cheap enough. I just don't think we'll have the cap space. And then my personal favorite, who I don't know if it's very realistic, but I've always loved him as Victor Mete. Play the right Oof. side in junior. You know, the Habs, I just don't know if the Habs are going to give him up. Um, but I've always just loved Victor Mete, and it would be fun to reunite him with Martin. I think the only way we're getting Victor Mete if, is if uh, Marner right now is blowing out his birthday candles and hoping and wishing for him. So Maybe. You never know. We might. A, a former London Knights teammate. Exactly. But uh, I don't know. I think uh, I think the Habs do really like him. Yeah. Um, and, and trading him to the Leafs, and if it works out with the Leafs, I don't think uh, don't think that Habs GM would be a, a very very popular guy in Montreal. Well, they traded Grabowski, so let's hope it's uh, you know Grabowski two point <laughs> Who, by the way, was very yeah. good. I went back and I was watching his highlights. That guy could play. I made. I want to get your thoughts on a couple other things, uh, primarily the draft. So it seems like we're headed towards an early June draft. Saw a lot of complaining about that on my timeline. Um, there's going to be pros and cons to both. It's not going to be really a perfect year. But in terms of the timing of the draft itself, um, we'll get your thoughts on the draft lottery in a minute. But in terms of the timing of the draft, do you care? Do you prefer the early draft? Or would you rather have it after the season ends so we see a few more trades? I would personally rather have it um, after the season ends just because that's kind of the way it always is. But... And, and like you said, there'll be more trades. But, I mean, I guess everything is kind of, you know, topsy-turvy right now and everything is kind of on the go and the NHL is trying to make the best of it. I don't really personally understand the pros but um, of having it in June, but um, I know that it'll probably, you know, save them a few dollars to do that. So, um, but, but I, I mean, I don't really feel too strongly about it. I actually like it in early June. I don't know if I like it from the least perspective because, you know, they don't have any picks and they kind of need to trade players to get picks. And you can't really trade players right now because you're going to need them for the playoffs. So from the least perspective specifically, I, I don't know if I like it. From my personal perspective, I would like it early. Uh, I've been watching a lot of hockey lately, trying to do draft rankings. I would like it done sooner than later. So I'm not watching games until November. Um, but you know, I think, I think I'm okay with the early draft. I would like to see hockey. I would like to have things to talk about. Um, I think it would be fun. I think it would generate a lot of, quite a bit of revenue for the league. Um, so 
I don't know. I just right. I really enjoyed the NFL draft, and it would be fun if they could kind of copy that on the NHL side. Yeah, I actually missed the NFL draft. I'm not. Uh, I'm not too. I'm more of a mainstream NFL um, fan. Not not too much into the college football, but it was all over my timeline. I, I didn't know so many people are so knowledgeable about the the NFL draft until that day. Oh, I'm not knowledgeable on that. I just you know, or not even you. I just mean like it was, you know, people that I thought were were always watching hockey. You know, knew a lot about college football. So something I learned that day. Yeah, I think. The toughest part, too, is, like, trying to evaluate, like, offensive tackles and defensive linemen. Like, I don't know how they do it. Uh, I've never scouted NFL, but I did enjoy it. It was fun as a spectator. Uh, obviously not as involved as, not as interested as I am in the NHL, but uh, still always fun to watch. And then how about the draft lottery? So it seems like, uh, again, nothing's official yet, but the, the memo the league put out on Friday, uh, it sounds like they might go back to the old draft lottery rules where you can only move up four spots. So that would mean that I believe Detroit has a 66% chance at the first pick now, uh, which is way up, and then they'd have a 100% chance at a top two pick. And then for a team like Ottawa, I think the lowest they could pick or the worst they could be would be third and fourth. And then you also have teams like Montreal or, or Buffalo where, you know, instead of, especially Montreal, having a shot at a hometown player like Lafreniere, now that goes away. So I think the league did it because they didn't want a team winning the cup and then winning the draft lottery at the same time. But, you know, personally, I'm not a fan. What are your thoughts on that? Again, not something I really, you know, feel too strongly about. Um, I, I feel like I'm a little bit biased. I, I wouldn't want to see a team. I mean, anytime the Leafs make the cup, I don't want to see any team that just missed the playoffs win the draft lottery. Uh, so I'm okay with it. Like in terms of, I mean, Ottawa was going to get two really high picks anyway. So I'm kind of looking at it at a biased perspective here in terms of the Leafs. Um, but I think a complete I, I think opposite. I'm okay with it. I think you're going to put Lafreniere and Byfield in Toronto's division and you're going to have to play them for the next decade. I mean, but, but most likely they were going to go to those teams anyway. Like they were going to go to Ottawa or Detroit anyway. They were the worst teams in the league. No, that's not true because... You know, Detroit is 66%, and before, I think the odds had it that you, you were more likely to get the fourth pick as the worst team than you were as the top three. That's how I remember it when the Leafs... Right, I guess if you... Yeah. But... but And I just think, imagine if they did this when the Leafs were the worst team. Like, if they just all of a sudden said, okay, hey, you're going to have a 66% chance at Matthews, and you're going to have a 100% chance at a top two pick, we would still be hearing about it. So... <laughs> You know, I have no sympathy for Detroit. Uh, they were in the playoffs for, what, two decades? And they kind of dug themselves into their own hole, signing Abdicator, signing Franzen. Uh, Darren Helm has a bad deal. Jimmy Howard has a bad deal. Made a lot of bad decisions there. Made a lot of bad draft choices. Uh, I think they deserve it. And as, you know, seeing the Leafs and what they went through with their failures for years... I don't think Detroit's seen seen enough. Um, so to just give them Lafreniere, I've just <laughs> you want them to continue to uh, to suffer. Also, I have I have zero concern about like Minnesota or Montreal winning the cup. Zero. Like if they if they win the cup and the draft lottery, good on them. I, you know, good luck. I'm not a big fan of the big playoffs. 
I get that they want to generate more revenue, but, you know, it's going to be weird if we see teams like Buffalo and Montreal in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. I mean, the big, like, the larger amount of teams in the playoffs, I am not a fan of. And I've seen, like, a bunch of, I think I think it was Columbus, maybe, or Florida. Like, some of the players were complaining and saying it wouldn't be fair if they just took the point percentage today. And, um, like, it wouldn't be fair if they didn't make the playoffs, if they just took the, the standings today. But it's like, you should have just won more games. I mean, they have a they have rules in place to, to have guys that are in the playoffs that should be. So for those people, I have no sympathy. But, I mean, for, for Ottawa and Detroit, I I think I'm ready for a, maybe a Leafs-Ottawa Leafs rivalry again. So I don't mind if they get some good players. Yeah, I'm, I'm not with you there. Okay, one, uh, one last thing before we get out of here. Really the big news of the NHL in the last week or two. Uh, we had a huge signing, blockbuster signing, National Predator signing Ben Harper. What I know you're a big Harper <laughs> fan. I know you have his jersey. What are your thoughts on the big Ben Harper signing? I'm just so glad. I think I've said it on at least three episodes that whenever I have to watch Marley's games, I don't need to watch him next to Mac Hollowell, who's one of my favorite players. Like Just two completely different players playing with each other that just didn't work because Harpo would just give the puck away or just couldn't skate to to keep up with Mac. I remember last offseason. So I'm happy. Last, it was a big signing. I remember last offseason where uh, people were just horrified that he'd be in the NHL. And then watching with the Marlies, like he was a bad AHL player, and he's guaranteed yeah. guaranteed 250000 when he's in the minors. So, you know, if I was, if I was a millionaire or billionaire uh, like the owner probably is, I still don't think I'd pay Ben Harper two hundred fifty thousand, but uh, you know all the best to him. Uh, he's a lucky man. I think, you know, I, I'm a little bit. He's got size. He's got size. He's what six six four all day. Let's say is he taller? Is he like six seven? Yeah, on every shift. He is consistent in that regard. <laughs> I don't know about that. Let me see. I'm gonna look it up actually. I think he's like six seven actually. I think he's uh, taller. He is consistent. Huh. Let me see. It's 1.98 meters, but I can't... Oh, you got it. meters? Let me see. This is a disaster. Google has meters. I don't know if it's me or... It's, i got to change my settings. <laughs> Moment of truth here. I'm going to get oh, it before you. 6'6". Six, six. He's 6'6". Six, six. Wow, pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you are off the... You're not the... I'm the lookup guy from now on. We'll, we'll put it that way. But uh, with that... It's the internet. I'll blame the internet here. All right, you can blame Google. We'll uh, call Google and we'll fix that for next week. But uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, we'll see everyone next week.